Hey everyone and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen. Now, from bionics to black holes to warp factors to wormholes, the science fictionary has the answers to any questions you've had about the main different kinds of words you read in sci-fi, fantasy, or horror genres. Author Robert W. Bly joins me. Robert, welcome to the show. It is so cool to have you here. Max, thank you for having me. I'm glad to do it. All right. You know, I have never come across a dictionary about science fiction or fantasy terms. I'm curious about how this whole thing got started. Well, I ha- I'm 65, and I've been a science fiction and fantasy fan since I was a kid. So it's over half a century. And I'm a, 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 a rabid fan. It's very central to me. And one day I was thinking, yeah, I came across some terms in a book I was reading, and I said, oh, this, you know, I wish there was like a, uh, uh, this was all in a central repository, like a, a book, and I, if, you know, like some kind of a science fictionary. And as soon as I, that t- word, science fictionary, that title, I said it to myself, I said, that's a book. I opened up a file in Word that second and started making lists of words that I would have in that book. That is so cool. So it was just like, hey, we need this thing, and here we go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... Now, some of the words that you've got defined here, they don't have like a definition prior to this. They were just like made of words in some cases, or their definitions were so all over the place. How'd you go about finding a concrete definition that worked? Well, a, a couple of different methods. The main one, however, is I don't have, as, and most people don't have, a photographic memory, but I have a very, not a photographic or near photographic, but a pretty close to photographic memory for a couple of topics, subjects can't remember history, you know, American history, but for pop culture, I seem to have a, a near photographic memory. So a lot of this was already in my gray matter. And that was, that was the advantage. And the other is I've been a collector of these materials, books, comic books, for decades, and I've got a big room attached to my office in the house that is filled with these books. So when I got interested in doing it, and I was uh, said, well, what, what does that mean? I could go in the room and Chances are I could find, you know, the book, you know, or the short story that had it. So that's how I got started. Oh, wow. Were there any words that really just, like, stumped you? Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, there, there's what stumps me. It's not so much stumps. It's that if I hadn't read a particular science fiction author or book or seen a movie and someone would say to me, well, why, didn't you, why don't you include something about, you know, um, like, I never really watched Doctor Who. Mm. So, you know, he said, why don't you have the Daleks? I said, I, what is that? So, of course, you could look it up, and I bought a couple of Doctor Who books to, to immerse myself. Never was much of a, didn't really get into the videos. Uh, but, uh, you know, things that I, you know, it's such a broad field that there's so many things that I don't know, haven't seen. So those are the ones that would stump me. Oh yeah, you know I've never been much of a Doctor Who fan myself. I'm I'm, I'm I probably feel like turning my nerd card when this is all over, but yeah, I never really read the books. I watched a bit of the shows, but for whatever reason, it just didn't catch me. But didn't, exactly, it's funny you said that. It didn't catch. Now, of course, you can't be a fan. You and I can't be a fan of everything. Probably the vast majority of stuff we're not fans of and we haven't even seen. But that was one that was popular, and I that and Stargate never caught me. I liked the movie. I liked the movie. I still have it today, actually. I watch it every so often. But the series, yeah, just I think I watched like two episodes and thought, nah, this isn't really, this isn't really hooking me. Yep. 
Yeah, I think it's just a, I mean, good movie, but not maybe not good enough to be its own series. But then again, that's my opinion. I know there's a lot of fans. Yeah, it lasted for, I think, like a bunch of seasons, lots of fans. So in the end, just our opinion. You guys love what you love. Um, <laughs> so did you have to do a lot of that immersion into different series and movies and comics when you came across words like, huh, I've never seen this before? I did it both ways. I came across some words and said, I don't know that. I better go back to the source for this. But also, I said to myself, for example, and this is another immersion mission I shouldn't make or I will be kicked out of the club. Uh, I never really was into Game of Thrones. And my younger son, who, who's 30, uh, he loves it. And he read all the books. So I had them here. But, you know, when I started to write the book, I had to go to his bookshelf in his room. He doesn't live here anymore, but he left the books. You know, and, and fortunately, I had them here so I could reference them. But until then, I had never read them. And I never watched the TV show. Wow, yeah. I, you know, I have to make the same confession. I never even knew that the books existed before the series came out. I, didn't, I did not know who George R. R. Martin was. For Game of Thrones. I was a huge George R. R. Martin fan and still am because he wrote some of the couple of the best things in a couple of genres. He wrote one of the best horror novels called Fever Dream. Ooh. About a vampire. And he wrote a short story that is a classic that you should just track down after this if you really want to read something good called Sand Kings. Ooh. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm checking this one out because I'm always in the market for a really good horror story. Um, that's another question I was kind of wondering. Did you have to dive a lot into the horror genres? Well, what I did originally, I started, I just said I'll call it the science fictionary and do science fiction. But, you know, within a, uh, six hours after starting my list, I said, wait a minute. This course is over, so it can't just be science fiction. It has to be fantasy and it has to be horror. Yeah, yeah, and those are the three genres that I covered. But for, fortunately for me, I actually love all three of them. I would say, in order of preference, science fiction first, maybe horror second, and fantasy third. But I like them all. Hmm. I love them all. So in this book, you're not just defining things like, oh, what is a black hole? What is you know warp speed? But you're probably defining things like what are ghosts and what are demons and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you're, de you're defining things uh, that they are, as they are referred to in science fiction, fiction, you know, fiction, fantasy, mythology, and so forth. But some of them, you're you're defining things that um, are, that are uh, in in science fiction that people have heard of, but they don't really know the, the precise definition. For example, a good uh, war factor. How fast is war factor three? Mm. Most people would say it's three times the speed of light, but it isn't. In the Star Trek Concordance, it's the warp factor cubed. So if you're going warp factor three, you're going 27 times the speed of light. That's, to me, a fun fact. Wow, I didn't know that. I always thought it was the same thing. I thought it was just like, oh, three times the speed of light, which right off the bat is actually insane to think, to think about. And every, everybody thinks that, by the way. Wow. Or then, there's, or then there's dig into your going with warp factor. Then there's another one that was fun. What are the three modes of propulsion on the USS Enterprise. And most people only get two of them. Yeah, oh yeah, the warp and the impulse engines. Yeah, but there's also, when they're going slower, the thrusters. Oh. Oh, wow. No, 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 you're right, you're right, because I remember that from certain movies when they were, like, leaving space docks over, they would, like, they would use, like, maneuvering thrusters to kind of get out. Yeah, or in one of the more recent ones with Chris, with Chris Pine, they're, they're sort of plummeting to Earth, or falling, and then they hit the thrusters, and you see these flames coming out of the bottom of the saucer, little jets, and it's yeah. 
Oh damn! Oh damn! <laughs> this is this is really like blowing like my uh, my nerd mind up a little bit. Um, yeah. So cool. Yeah, I love this stuff. So like, uh, you know, one of one of my uh, my favorite. You know, I love pop culture. I say pop culture lore, pop culture trivia. If someone's really into it, here's my question. If you can answer this, I say you are you are a geek. What is Herman Munster's home address? Oh crap! I don't I don't know. Damn it. When you hear it, you'll know it. Thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Lane. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sort of like the that's sort of like the entry point. You know, if you know that you're a nerd, if you don't, you like it, but you're you're not a fanatic. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm not really a fanatic, but oh wow. Um, now some of these terms, of course, have been around for you know decades and decades. Did you have a hard time pinning down precise d- definitions for some of them? I would say this. You, you know, you can find a definition in many places. What's the 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 challenges to to reconcile differing definitions? Mm. But that's not really that tough. For example, if you said, "What is a vampire?" You know what a vampire is. But sure. then, when you get into what are their weaknesses, for example, different sources say different things. Mm-hmm. For example, most vampire fiction, sunlight destroys them. Mm-hmm. But in some books and movies, they burst into flame. Yep. Another one. They just wither and die. And um, in, in some vampire fiction, sunlight doesn't kill them. Like in the, which I don't, I'm not a particular fan of it, but Twilight, when they get hit with the sunlight, it doesn't hurt them at all. They just give off sparkles, which I found ludicrous. I'm not a fan of it. You know, so it's, you have to reconcile what's, what's the right answer. Uh, and, you know, you, in some of the entries in the dictionary, I couldn't reconcile. I just said, this says this, this says this, and this says this. And that's interesting. Yeah. Other times I you know, the commonality seems to be that, you know, vampires do this or werewolves do this or whatever. Sure, yeah. I imagine it's also hard for some things like, like uh, what is a demon? I mean, that's such like a broad term in some cases. How do you, how do you kind of narrow that down to one specific uh, concept? Demon, yeah, with demon, what I, what, what I actually did is I, I took sort of the generic definition and then I gave three or four examples of, of, of references uh, you know, from it. And I found an interesting thing about uh, these demonologists in the, in the church in different centuries were estimating how many demons existed. And that was a little interesting numerology. For example, this Dutch uh, demonologist in the 16th century calculated from some biblical text that the number of demons was 4,439,556, and these were divided into 666 666 legions. Interesting stuff like that. Ooh. Fun fact, and, you know, I wouldn't know without digging. Jeez, that alone could be uh, a book. Yeah, there are, I'm sure there are books on demonology. I didn't, you know, I probably have some in my, in my library, but yeah, that's a, that's a whole subject unto itself. Yeah, wow, wow. So were there any words that really stumped you, that you were just like, I don't know what to say? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of words from what I would call sophisticated science fiction, like... Philip K. Dick writes a lot of what I think are intellectual books, although they've been made into you know popular movies. And some of the ter- terms there are a little confusing. Like he's got a term called ubik, U-B-I-K, and it's in the book. I won't attempt. I could read it, but I, I won't attempt to do it off the top of my head. But it ha- when you read the books, it's a little difficult to figure out what it is and how it works. And I found that even uh, within other, within other science fiction books, there's a science fiction book. Uh, that came out recently, a novel called Camp Zero, and there's a concept called flick. 
and it's like a it's like a, a, a an implant, sort of like the Matrix, but not really. And it was I had, you had to read carefully to try to figure it out and distill what is what is a flick, and it was interesting. Cool. Basically, a flick was a device that was implanted in the person at birth, and that gave them universal access, basically, to the internet of all things, plus everyone else's thoughts and lives and memories. Wow. Wow. So this obviously had you diving into a lot of stuff that you previously weren't really reading or watching. Uh, oh, it- yeah, because, you know, you know, people say to me, you know, it's obvious the book is like 350, 330 pages or whatever. It could, if I was comp- so people say, is it comprehensive? It was comprehensive with these 5,000 pages. Yeah, seriously, seriously. So, so were there any um, any like series or authors or creators that you that you wanted being a big fan of? Well, the people who were sort of the, the beta readers for this book, they all had the same experience. They said they would tell me, "I read the book, and I made a list of five hundred of fifty four science fiction movies I haven't seen that I want to watch," or "I made a list of fourteen science fiction authors I've never read," and I had the same thing. So, you know, I would find stuff, uh, you know, I would find stuff uh, that, uh, you know, I hadn't delved into. And there's so much out there. Like, I I had a definition from uh, the book, John Brunner, Stands on Zanzibar, which was an interesting definition of how he, how he got the title. And uh, basically, it's based on the population density of Earth that uh, if you put everyone on Earth on Zanzibar, they will have to stand shoulder to shoulder vertically. And um, which was an odd fact. And I said, I've never read Shock Stand on Zanzibar. I've never read Shockwave Rider. You know, Stephen King has a great quote. He says, you know, you realize as you get older, you're just, there's just too, you're never going to live to read all the books you want to read. And as I get older, not even a fraction of them. So you're never going to keep up. But it's, it's fun trying. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, I, I have... I have entire shelves filled with books. And just this alone, I know I'm never going to get to them all. Some of them, sure. Most of them, probably not. <laughs> well, when I do that and people say to me, well, why do you have all these books? I mean, you're not going to read them, so just get rid of them. I say, you don't understand. A book, a bookcase is like a wine rack. Yeah. You walk up, what, what do I want today? You don't, just because you're drinking Chardonnay, you don't throw out all the Pinots. You, you keep them for when you want them. Exactly. So it's, like, you know, it's, it's like a treasure chest. You can yeah. them, I wander over there. And I have, I'm sure you do this. Though. Sometimes you, I'm just in the room with the library. And I look over and say, that looks interesting. I either did read it and I want to read it again, or maybe I should sit down and read some of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love reading a book for a second time because I find that I always catch something I missed before. You know, I'll be like, that oh, is so I, true. I, and there are, you know, again, now at my, my, you know, I'm torn about reading books too many times because you say if I'm doing, you know, this 300-page novel a second time, that's another new one that I'm not reading. But I do, there are certain books... And a few of them that I can read over and over again. Probably for me, I don't know if you know or if you read or know who Roger Zelazny is, but his book uh, Lord of Light is is on that list for me. Mm. You read it over and over again. Yeah, for me, anything by Jonathan Mayberry is always going to get at least three reads because his stuff is just so fantastic. Yeah. Now I had never uh, I had never uh, read Jen- Jonathan Mayberry, but he he's. Uh, sometimes featured in the uh, Writers of the Future series uh, by Galaxy Publishing, and I know those folks, so they send me, you know, the books if his stories are in it. Ooh, yeah, his, yeah, his stuff, I'm honestly surprised 
that he, we haven't seen his stuff on Netflix. Actually, no, we, we did see we did see V Wars. He did do that, but that's it. I'm honestly surprised that the rest of his stuff has not been on Netflix or some other streaming service by now. Yeah, I mean, another one like I a name that's so well known, but I never read until I did this book. I said I should have something in this book about the works of Neil Stevenson. I said, oh my god, I've never read Neil Stevenson, so I got a couple of them. Nice, nice. So, so this is really like like expanded your entire world. Yeah, I mean, my problem always I've had a guilt complex about who I am and what I am because um, basically I don't do much. I mean, I've raised my kids. But, uh, you know, so I did, I did that, but I don't do much aside from read and write. Those are the things I like. I mean, yeah, those are my, I hate the word passions, but they are the passions. And, you know, I feel sometimes guilty that that's all I do. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. That's what I am. If it makes you happy, that's it. That's what I say, yeah. Exactly. All right. Prior to, the, to this interview when I was, like, reading about the book, I also decided to learn a little bit about you. And I was surprised to see that I, w- I was expecting to meet another like horror writer or science fiction writer. But instead, you do uh, marketing books, which is fantastic. I'm kind of curious if you had to learn a different kind of writing or what have you when you wrote this book, The Science Fictionary. No and no. Yes, I am primarily, or I do a lot of marketing. I am, but my, 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 my vocation, the way I make my money is I'm a, I'm a freelance copywriter. That's what I do for a living. Writing books, short stories, articles is my avocation. Mm. So I do a lot of it, but I didn't have to learn something new. I mean, I wrote my first science fiction story that was published when I was 17 years old. So I've been writing science fiction on and off for decades. And Mm. I've written books, not just on business or, 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 or small business, but on many topics. I mean, I've written books on sex, Star Trek, um, vitamins, science, biographies. So, you know, and I've written a lot like this book that we're talking about now. I've written a lot of books on pop culture, you know, nonfiction books. And I've also had a book of short stories published. So, you know, I've I've written on, I have have written and published uh, over a hundred published books. So I've done a lot of different topics. Awesome. So, so definitely like a jack of all trades. Uh, Yeah. I mean, a jack of a number of trades. Yes. (laughs) In my in my uh, vocation of copywriting, I specialize in one type of copywriting. But in books, I I have always liked doing things that. What I I always liked, got interested in something. I said I want to write a book on this, and if I can get a publisher to do it, I'll do it. That was easier and more common back in the day, decades ago. In today's publishing world, it's it's less possible, less common. But you know. Science and science fiction is one of the areas where I do have some track record, so I can still find publishers for those books. Okay. If I wanted to write a book on uh, Queen Victoria, probably couldn't sell it. Ah, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Now, this book, of course, is being released by our good friends at Crystal Lake Publishing. Of, of course, a number of other writers have been on this show. Robert, I'm curious how you came to their attention and, and what it's been like working with them. Well, they're great, but this, how I came to attention, one of their authors is a friend of mine, oh. Taylor Grant. I don't know if you've read his work, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he, I had mentioned to him that I, that I was doing this book and, uh, you know, I have some regular publishers uh, the, in New York, but this wasn't, didn't fit in with their list. I said, Hmm, who would this be good for? He goes, I, I write for Crystal Lake. This would be great for them. And it was, and I, I so I, I had, I, I sent it over to, to Joe at Crystal Lake and I heard back like in a few, a few days or a week, 
He said, let's go. And that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I'm not surprised. This, this, I would say, is almost like a good like research companion to the other stuff. It, it, yeah, it, it really is. And uh, so, uh, you know, I love doing it. I love the fact that they wanted to publish it. So it was all good for me. Excellent. Do you think this book is a one-off or do you think there's more to come from this one? Well, um, there's, there's definitely more to come. I just signed a contract with Crystal Lake to do another book that is a, a, an that well, I, he wouldn't mind me saying it. It's basically a book specifically on how science fiction movies, books, short stories have, have been centered around AI. What have they said about it? What have they predicted about AI? And now what's actually happening? Yeah, it's a, Certainly a hot topic right now, especially with everything going on with the writer's strike and the SAG strike. It's uh... Yeah, I mean, it's a huge hot topic, and, uh, you know, our working title is AI Apocalypse. That's a good, that's a good prediction, actually. I think it's a solid prediction. Um, without getting... Well, that's the part that scares me. I, I yeah. actually do have those concerns. If that's a whole other topic for yeah. another day. Yeah, for... I do worry about it, and some of the best computer scientists that I know... I don't know that many, but, you know, Stephen went to Carnegie Mellon. I know a couple of people from there. They are worried about it. Yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, like you said, topic for another day. Now, I know that this book also contains a number of different um, illustrations. Uh, how did that come about, and kind of who did the work? Well, I was writing this book, and I said, you know what? This would be more... My, m people say to me, What's, what was the driving force of what you put in this book? And I said, fun. Fun. If I, you know, there's lots of criteria, but if I thought it was fun, interesting, cool, neat, whatever you want to say, then I thought other people would think it is. So I put it in. And when I was going through it, I said, this would be more fun when I just started it if I had illustrations. Like, for example, I want, I'm, I'm writing a, an entry on from Back to the Future, the, what is a flux capacitor? Why not show a flux capacitor? So I have a, a, a good... Uh, 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 an illustrator that I, I work with somewhat, you know, in my over the years, not, you know, in my some of some of my clients and copywriting, you know, to do illustrations for ads and such. And he loved this idea. He's also a science fiction geek. He has his car is a replica of Kit from Knight Rider. That's how geeky he is. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'll do it, but you have to put Kit in, in, in the book. I said, okay. And he did all the illustrations. His name is Dave McCoy. Wow. Very cool, very cool. All right. So, Robert, this sounds like it was a real learning experience for you, too. Did you find that you gained a lot of, like, scientific insight or maybe, like, insight into the supernatural from doing all this research? Yes, I could have, yeah, because I have to live in the real world of, of economical reality and I have to make a living. I could have potentially spent the rest of my life digging into this and had a very good, fun time. And it was a labor of love. And also, guys like you and me, we love learning stuff like this. Mm -hmm. and, and and so, yeah, it's, I mean, it, learning is nothing new. Uh, uh, you know, people will always say to me, for example, well, you know, if you know something, you know, why do you have to keep write, reading or writing about it? You know, you know what I read? I said, no, school is never out for the pro. So, you know, I'm fascinated by this stuff. There's, there's no limit to how much. And what's, here's the interesting thing. I'll, I'll just be sitting... In the living room, the TV will be on, or I'll pick up the newspaper, and I'll in invariably encounter something that I say, that should be in the book. 
<laughs> Does that ever like bother you when you realize, oh man, I kind of missed this word and missed this term? Well, here's the thing. Joe and I have decided that we're going to, I've already started it. We're compiling a list, a file of terms I missed. And when we, you know, when they do the second edition of the book, you know, in a year or so, or we will add that to the book. Oh, cool. All right. I like that. I like that. You can, uh, you can do this thing on, on the cover like now, uh, now uh, with more words. Well, yeah, all you do is just say, you know, and I've done this with my other books in the, in the business world, you know, the, the science fictionary, the copywriter's handbook, second edition. Mm, yep. And it's also, you know, and I, it's just, to me, it is actually a, a service to the reader because, you know, you, you don't want your book to be, out of, to be out of date. And, you know, this way it can always be out of date. I mean, it could always be uh, up to date. Yeah. Now, this book, um, at the time of, of this recording, the book's been out for about a month and a half. Have you gotten any feedback from the fans? great feedback because I've gotten feedback from people who comment uh, and, and discuss it. Sometimes they do say, why didn't you put in more on Babylon 5? Mm. Or why didn't you put, uh, you know, why you missed the term proton plasma. I'm just making that up, whatever it is. And I'm thankful for it. They're not mad. They tell me and they're there. And I thank them because they said, you're giving me my list for the, for when we go back to for round two. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the fans I found are the best. I mean, obviously they're gonna nitpick a little bit sometimes, but it's also cool when they can say, "Hey, what about this?" You realize, "Oh man, you're totally right." It, or in this case, yeah. I mean, in this case, I you know, if 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 I made errors, I'm sure they'll they'll find them and spot them and point them out to me, and that's also useful uh, because then when you go to the to the reprint the second edition, not only can you add the new terms, but you can fix those. You can fix those er- errors. I used to do workshop corporate workshops, uh, as, as you know, as a consultant, and I had a workbook. And the first time I did it, some student you know, was very uh, sort of smarmy about it and smug. Goes, you you know, you have a typo on page nine. And from then on, I would come into the seminar at the beginning and say, hey, by the way, uh, you can help me proofread this. For every typo you find, I'll give you a dollar. So it became a game. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. Well, Robert, it has been absolutely great talking to you. And, of course, the book is absolutely amazing. Folks, if you want to learn more about it, uh, you uh, you go to crystallakepub.com. Find the book there. But also wander around. Check out there's so many great authors that they have under their name. You'll definitely find something you want. And now with this book, you'll know what all those words mean. Uh, Uh Robert, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Hey, this is singer-songwriter Danny Horovitz, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks to everyone for listening, and be sure to follow the show on Facebook at Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram at Citywide Max. You can reach me at citywidemax at yahoo.com to suggest a guest or submit music for the Blackout Collection playlist. You can find the show wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. And new episodes are aired every Saturday at 10 p.m. EST on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.